Welcome to the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. It really amazes me how you're able to just do that. <laughs> Hi, Ian, what's That's up? That's because I'm a professional, Kyle. I can turn it on and off like a light switch. Uh, yeah. Right now, I'm overclocked to 110%. Yeah, a little too much. We need, we need you, uh, we need you, we need dial you, back we, a little. we need you to dial it down a little bit. You're running about 11, we need you at about a 7, maybe. Okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? I am here. We uh we have a slightly delayed priority Q and A. Could be because we had our guest episode on Monday. Yes, but uh, we have an extra long priority Q and A episode. Trying to get caught up on that priority backlog. That uh, front of the line is getting a bit long. <laughs> it's not. It's not really the front of the line anymore, is it? <laughs> it barely. has become its own line. Barely, barely at this point. <laughs> it's uh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, let's just get to it. Let's dig through these. All right. Well, first of all, I've got my uh, question of the week for you. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. That's where we got to start. All right. Well, hey, Ian, do you hate Shadow? You write Shadow wildly out of character just to keep him from being together with Sonic? Did you pair Sonic with Sally so Shadow couldn't have him? Did you give him amnesia so he wouldn't remember the long romantic walks on the beach he had with Sonic? Now you're just trolling. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, I'll be serious. What is the deal with Shadow? You've been frustrated with how Sega wants him to be betrayed for a while now. So, uh, how would you do it if they weren't so overbearing with him? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of like where he was in the Archie days where he's this kind of, it's not a full antithesis of Sonic, but it's a different interpretation. You know, they both have their sense of their personal code of justice. They both have this drive to do what they think is right, regardless of the consequences. It's just where Sonic is, you know, big and loud and out there and, you know, full of positive energy. <laughs> Shadow is the opposite. He is reserved. He is stoic. He is severe. And he isn't afraid to cross the line that Sonic never would, which kind of already walks on the ow, the edge in a medium like this. Yes. But you, you, you could find ways around it. You know, Shadow is the type of character who can get angry. Sonic doesn't really get angry miffed sure he loses his temper but there's you know circumstances it it takes a lot to push sonic to that point shadow is shadow can get scary angry yeah and while they both have a degree of compassion sonic is very outward towards it where shadow isn't he doesn't need to broadcast that he cares he doesn't even show it he does it through action and you can get some of that in the he seeks out stronger foes, but I feel like it's missing something when all it is is that stern presentation. There needs to be a moment of weakness. There needs to be some sign of bemusement or something. So, like he smirked in SA2. Yep. He joked. He was sassy. 
<laughs> Let, let's have a little bit of sass back in show. He's not a jokester like Sonic, but he's the type of guy who would drop a dry one-liner every now and again to kind of catch you off guard and not dwell on it. Right. You know, he's he's the 90s action hero dialed back just a little bit. Let him have a bit of fun to him and let him have a bit of personality outside of he's grim. I don't know. That, that's yeah. just my take. Yeah, I, I liked it. Your portrayal of him in Archie made me actually kind of like him. Because, you know, I kind of was like, eh. I still think he should have stayed dead, but you know, <laughs> if he wasn't going to be dead, then I feel like that is the uh, ideal portrayal of him. He's not like always broody all the time, you know. He's he's uh he has actual personality and depth to him that's uh, more interesting. Like having him just be like, "Oh, I go around and I fight. I look for." stronger foes than me to try and beat them and prove that I am the strongest. That's boring. That's lame. I don't care. (laughs) So, and for pity's sake, let him have team dark. He's not Sonic. He doesn't get along with everybody. He's not always making friends, but uh, Rouge and Omega are two individuals that he has come to trust and appreciate in their capacity that they aren't going to hold him back. Yep. They aren't going to go, no, Shadow, maybe let's think this through. It's like, yeah, you do your thing, buddy. Yep, yep. Their dynamic in uh, Sonic Heroes actually was like, I felt like that was like the only believable team for some reason. <laughs> like, they were almost like kind of r- real characters. Kind of. Even Omega, for which is funny because, you know, he's a, he's a freaking robot. But <laughs> he's great. I, I, I like him. All right, are we ready to jump into the uh, real Q&A? Let's get to it. All right, here's one from Scruffy Matt to start us off. Ian, you've been writing the Sonic the Hedgehog stories for over 15 years now. I mean, damn, son. That's over half the life of the franchise. Looking back on all the Sonic that you've published so far, from imposter syndrome all the way back to Birthday Bash, although I believe you wrote See You Later Chow before Birthday Bash, what has been your favorite arc to write and your favorite character to write for? Uh, it's really, really hard to pick. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about some of the highlights on this show over the years, like Treasure Team Tango, Mega Drive. Um, did you write particular issue? In, hmm? Did you write Treasure Team Tango? Mm-hmm. thought that was OK. For some reason, I thought that was Tracy, but he wrote. No, he did the, Pirate Plunder Panic. Yeah, okay. The spiritual successor. I think that might be why I'm getting confused. So, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. There's, like, a few that I'm not as fond of, but everything else I'm kind of satisfied with to some way or another. It, it, they're like my children's. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> and, yeah, actually, you're right. See you later, Chow was written, was the first script I ever wrote for Archie. And it just got shuffled around to uh somewhere else and i think you can kind of tell it's also the first uh story tracy drew and you compare that to what he's done later on and it's like wow we've grown a fair bit hmm. i thought tracy was but on the on book that... before you were but just barely but no. no no we came on about the same time okay i must be thinking of john then uh and scruffy has a similar question for you sir yep 
Kyle, same question. Favorite story arc and character. Oh, I missed the character. The favorite character part. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you you finish uh, your question. I didn't even think about that. Anyway, <laughs> favorite character. Uh, I don't know. Eggman has always been fun. I've learned to love Sonic. I got to do a lot of closure with Knuckles, which was satisfying. Infinitivus was delightfully awful. And I don't know, Bean seems to have become my signature. The, the, <laughs> the everlasting brand I have made on good, the series. Good, so, good. <laughs> I don't know. It's all all things told, it's it's been a fun time. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Oh yeah. Now Scruffy has a que- has the same question for you, Kyle. Uh oh. Favorite story arc and character from Ian's time on the Sonic books? Uh like I, we've been, I've been over this a number of times. I still love champions. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For characters, I mean, I can't choose just one, but Nicole is always great. Your portrayal of Honey was always was super fun. Um, having Breezy come back was really uh, a surprise and was a lot of fun. It was good to see her again being uh, incorporated into a. Uh, into the comics in a brand new way that's completely different from where she was in the uh, cartoon she's from. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's for Archie. Um, for IDW, I mean, Tangle and Whisper, awesome. Um, and let's see what else. I, I'm, I'm really liking Surge. She's, she's very, uh, she's very good. As in, she's not good, but, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh yeah i'm interested to definitely interested to see where the uh where the uh, imposters go when moving on from the uh from this point so looking forward to that all right here's one from many hats if sonic prime is the og in archie's multiverse is every other sonic younger is Sonic so important that the rest of the multiverse didn't exist before his birth and would disappear after he died? Or does every generation have a chaos constant who the world revolves around? Uh, uh, let, let's just specify here. Many Hats is talking about the Sonic Prime of pre-reboot Archie Sonic, not the upcoming Netflix show. Correct. Uh, see, now we're talking about the very essence of the multiverse and that gets sticky but because the multiverse dimensions seem to have their own histories that predate sonic but sonic himself seems to be the focal point of all the multiverse so does the inception of sonic mean that all multiverses retroactively filled in the past and present to him I'm glad I don't have to write that aspect of it anymore. Truth be told. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what would be the most satisfying approach to that. I'm going to say, I'm going to be a coward and just say, whatever your head cannon is, just run with that. Alrighty. Let's get into this question here from the hobo Joe. I know the Eggman slash Robotnik debate is tired at this point, but from his perspective, how does Eggman view the name Eggman? 
Is he just a guy in love with eggs? I always figured it was more just owning the insult and turning it into a strength, but the naming scheme and the designs. Is there more we don't know about this guy? Do the Beatles even exist in Mobius slash Sonic's unnamed universe? Behind the Badniks production line, is there an enormous chicken coop constantly being filled? I know we're past the Julian and Ivo days, but I am curious how, in Eggman's eyes, he sees the moniker as more than just a fat joke at his expense. Oh, you're right in that it's he owns it, and it's Eggman. You don't just stop at owning the name, you make it yours. (laughs) This guy is driven by his own presence. Like, his egotism has a gravitational pull. So if he's going to take on the moniker, he's not just going to say, okay, fine, you can call me that now because it's who I am. It's going to be everything. It's going to be the brand. It's going to be the theme. He's going to shove it down your throat. You are going to rue the day you came up with the idea of calling him Eggman because that is all you ever know. And that is the last name you will hear before he drowns you. Just it's (laughs) he doesn't do anything in moderation. If it's going to be Eggman, it's going to be the Eggman Empire. All Eggman, all the time. <laughs> he is the Eggman. That's who he Cuckoo is. Cuckoo <laughs> Oh, that too. Yes. <laughs> uh, he didn't seem to get, uh, he didn't seem to be as excited with Baldy McNose hair. Well, no, he had already gotten Eggman. I mean, yeah. he had already you know, printed out all the stuff. Do you know how many coasters he made? That stuff is expensive. And Baldy McNose here is just too long of a typeface. Just stick with Eggman. It's punchy. It works. It's yeah, yeah. I, I guess he's got business cards. Got to can't reprint those. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like another week's worth of animal enslavement just to get those cards produced. He's got a schedule to stick to, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's no money in Sonic's world, so it's not like it costs him anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Ian Waffles. I want to know if you could shed some light on the production of the Archie Sonic Encyclopedia. It's one of my favorite pieces of Archie Sonic as it encapsulates the insane lore and history of almost the entire pre-reboot run. However, it seemed like it might have been a bit of a rush job. Words would be so squished together that it would be hard to read, while others would have six spaces in between them. Then there was the general wonkiness of the page layouts or how something simple as copying the Echidna family tree would have names wrong like Kalala being changed to Frab Joe. That just doesn't seem like a mistake you'd make, and the book itself just seems rather slapdash in a lot of places. So I wanted to know, what happened with this thing? Uh, I honestly can't say, because I wasn't involved with the uh, graphic design of it. I was just involved in the writing of it. Um I know that we had a set page count and there were some of the entries that we struggled to cut down to fit into the page allotments. Some, not so much, but beyond that, I don't know. That would be a question for everyone who was working. Yeah. It sounds like they had the uh, auto kerning on for the page layouts and made it look really weird. Some newspapers do that too for columns and stuff. To, like, prevent a uh, word from not being on the same line or whatever. It gets weird. So, that just sounds like a layout issue. Next question is from Xanderoni the Painter. In the Archie comics, Sonic was shown several times playing a guitar. 
Does modern slash IDW Sonic have an interest in the guitar or music outside of quoting Crush 40? <laughs> I would hope so. I would think so. Sonic and a guitar just seem to be meant to be together. Yeah. Does he have the patience, though? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, he doesn't sit in one place. He doesn't live in one place. So where's the guitar? Where does he keep it? <laughs> uh, he's got, like, one stash at every one of Tails' labs. <laughs> okay, okay. Just one day he's, he, like, kicks out of the door. What up, Tails? You got chili dogs? Let's have some chili dogs. Is his guitar tuned over there? Nice. <laughs> Crash on your couch. Cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. Very cool. I guess he's got, like, really... He's got good finger dexterity because his fingers are like super long. And of course, he's got super speed so he can just. So, yeah, he cheats at the guitars. What I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's too good. He's too good. Here's a question from Godzilla. With the introduction of the Challenger class of playable characters with infinite, who would you like to see? Slash should be added to this class other than Mephilus. And this is in uh, the Sonic Forces Speed Battle mobile game. I would love it if we saw like Starline or Mimic in there. More immediate and more reasonable. Mephilus, you know, you already said that one kind of hits the nail on the head. I think it'd be neat if we saw Neo Metal. I don't know if his model would fit because he's. Kind of huge, but I mean, why not? Could be fun. Yeah. Um. Goodness, could they even maybe do a Black Doom? I mean, he's got the move set that could potentially work, and he floats along like Infinite would. So maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, Big is in the game, so I mean, you can play. You can play around with sizes there. It's Chaos Zero. Yeah, I get, I'm. Is Chaos Zero in the game? Yep. He was one of the early ones. Oh, okay. For some reason, I wasn't sure. (laughs) Maybe it'll be Pachamaka. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Here's a question from Ann Tails. In a prior episode, you indicated an interest in potentially pitching a Metarex arc in the IDW Sonic comics. Assuming Cosmo would be thrown into the mix as well, how would you handle Tailsmo? Would you sprinkle in some subtle nods to the ship, ignore the ship entirely, or ask Sega's permission to go all in on Tailsmo? If we were able to do a reimagining of the Metarex saga, which is slim chances, it's what I it's something I'd like to do, but let's not hold our breath. Cosmo's involvement is baked in. It would be that arc is to introduce Cosmo. There is no other real reason to even consider it because I'm not a big fan of the Metarex arc. I'm just going to put it out there, but Cosmo is still fairly popular. And truth be told, she's probably the best part of season three, arguably one of the better parts of all of Sonic X. So, but she kind of comes shackled with it. So I don't know. You could do some stuff with it. And to the same thing, the relationship between her and Tails is also something else that I feel like would be really weird if we didn't get to include it. So, um, yeah, I figure we would try to hit those similar beats 
but that is all very much who knows at this point. Hmm. Alrighty. And we got a question here from Digama. So I've heard that there was a point in time back at Archie where approvals switched from being done by Sega of America to being done by Sega of Japan. Do you remember roughly when this was? Uh, it was the other way around, actually. It was... Uh, da, 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 da. I guess somewhere around when Sonic Universe launched, I think, where we were allowed to just submit the Sonic scripts to Sega of America for direct approvals. Because normally it goes to Sega of America and Sega of Japan, and there's discussion back and forth there with the editor and blah, blah, blah. And I get the fact. And then it, and at that time with Archie, it was the regular Sonic book would just go to Sega of America and get, we'd get notes back on that. However, Sonic Universe was considered a new title. And that would have to be approved by Sega of Japan as well. Same company, same editor, same creative team, but it's a new title and therefore it needs the oversight. So, what up, what up, what up, what up? Here's a question from Radri. And when you write some of these Sonic stories, do you ever use the voices that you do on the show, like Starline and such, to help you flesh out writing out an idea? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, if I'm having trouble wording a line or if i feel like the dialogue's going a bit long you know maybe, maybe how would they actually say it out loud and that would help a little bit it's been a while since i've had to like mutter to myself to <laughs> write the script but usually i can just think it out but yeah sometimes you just kind of do a quick to yourself performance to see how it works out and it's like no that sounds awkward or yeah it could be shortened or ooh that's fun Alrighty. And we got a question from Joe S. In the interest of being somewhat topical, what do you guys think about the Bungie and Activision acquisitions from Sony and Microsoft? On one hand, this doesn't affect me besides Crash, Spyro, and some tiny things here and there. On the other hand, it's a big power move that hasn't had me this nervous about the industry since Disney purchased Fox. In general... The bigger companies consuming everything else Galactus style so that there's only so many publishers left is never a good thing. No. You know, as we inch closer and clo closer to monopolization, it's not the best thing in the world. But at the same time, what are you going to do? I mean, the best you can do, I guess, is to support the indie market, you know, the small teams and the individuals. And I mean, you don't really want to hurt the studios that you like because it's not their fault that they got bought out. And if you enjoy the IP, you don't want to miss out on you know, stuff you enjoy. But I, I don't have an answer aside from just kind of a bleak nodding of, yeah, there it is. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, definitely something that uh, not good. Not good. Um, It is. Definitely a power move. Um, Blizzard was kind of in a weak position, though. I mean, they were kind of like either sell or probably close up shop with uh, everything that they've been going through. So that kind of makes sense. Um, but it's still kind of iffy as far as it being a uh, these uh, large conglomerates buying up these slightly smaller 
large conglomerates <laughs> and uh just <laughs> it's it's in becoming even more large and it's like oh boy everything you know and love is owned by like two companies <laughs> uh oh boy it's exciting not really not really well kind of exciting in the way of a uh, society ending meteor descending upon the planet i mean that's exciting <laughs> yeah i mean of course and when the moon crashes into the world in majora's mask that's exciting oh absolutely <laughs> it's also terrifying <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much here's a question from joey the sonic fan Fan asked you about the possibility of you bringing back the Battle Bird Armada in IDW Sonic. Do you think you could bring back Witchcart and her minions? I love the cartoonish, quirky personalities you gave them in Archie and feel like they have great potential. If you couldn't bring back Witchcart, but you could use her minions, I'd be cool with that. I don't know. And if they were to come back like the Battle Birds, they most likely would be classic exclusive. But again, I'm not totally opposed to that because I kind of like the idea of Classic having its own identity. And a good way to do that is to have its own rogues gallery. Um, at the same time, I don't know if the Witch Carters are strong enough to exist without Witch Cart at the helm. You know, like they aren't as interesting a trio without the boss of the gang. But maybe that's just my interpretation of them and. Someone else could do a better job. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Here's a question from Scurvy Pirate Hog. My first ever Sonic comic, which was also written by you, Ian, was Sonic Genesis, the graphic novel slash hardcover trade from Archie. Not just that, but it was also my first exposure to Sonic media outside the games, having only played generations before this. So this thing introduced me to characters like Sally Acorn, Antoine Snively, and showcased more stuff beyond the games. I was wondering if we could maybe just talk a little bit about the process behind making it. The initial idea, how did you and the rest of the team decide for this format for the 20th anniversary story, etc., etc. Just want to know more about making it. Man, that is an interesting point to enter. Yeah, it <laughs> really continuity. That is wow. an that is an interesting point to enter Sonic in general to be honest <laughs> with you. Um uh. it still kind of blows my mind that there's like people who are like, yeah, I just yeah, Sonic uh, Lost World is my first Sonic game. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how? Oh, that's right. You're like 17. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Man. I mean, it's always interesting to f hear when people hopped on the book. Mm -hmm. But that particular arc, that's funky. That's That's interesting, man. Well, I mean, it is sort of an introductory sort of deal, it which is, is, it was, which was so actually kind of nice in that sense. But it was conceived of as the 20th anniversary tie-in special. Mm -hmm. It was it was purely for money. It was a marketing thing, um, and I was not happy about it because it was throwing off everything I had built up to that point. You know, this was supposed to be the big payoff to the story arc, and now we're taking a four-month break on a spinoff thing right and, uh, it, it had to be classic oriented because it was the 20th anniversary and uh we kind of treated it as a what if we had to reboot the book what if this was a new continuity a new take on the continuity 
And there was some talk at the time because Genesis did very well. And there was some talk of a time to turn it into a spinoff and make it its own continuity and go from there. Um, I'm not quite sure why that idea died on the vine, but it, it was there for a time. But the whole thing was, you know, I you know address the classic stories and, you know, kind of a new take on the Freedom Fighters. How would they fit into the original game's story and do it in such a way that it fits four issues? Um, and truth be told, I'm not fond of it. It was it was one of the story, one of the few instances where I wrote a story because I was told to and I did the best I could with it. But there was no real heart put into it, to be perfectly honest. And I feel bad because I've gotten lots of people saying this was my most favorite version of Sonic. This I love this. It's my favorite story. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I am kind of wish I'd done more with it then to make it better. Although a large part of that is because Patrick Spaziante and Tracy Yardley did the art and, you know, freaking gorgeous oh yeah that that last issue error aside just gorgeous looking book so i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you're with us now and uh there you go i liked that book personally but then again i am a classic sonic stan so you know (laughs) i'd like i really appreciated that sort of mixing the modern and the classic and the uh archie all together in a cohesive way, in a new way, that uh, I feel like it kind of built off of for post reboot, but it's like a it's like a prototype post reboot in a way, more or less, yeah, yeah. So I I, I kind of like that aspect of it, but I I get what you mean, you know, not happy with it. I can't mean, I think but I had... like, but I still I still like it personally. And you are not alone, and I'm happy folks enjoyed it so much. Yeah. I want to say that there was a, like, prototype early brainstorm springboard for a a follow-up arc that was Sonic 2, and that would have brought in Bunny. But that never went anywhere. Mm. Yeah. Dang. That would have been good. And now we got a question here from Speedweed. So we know now, thanks to Metroid Dread, that the chosen language can be translated into English, both in its spoken form and written format. Knowing how much of an absolute turbo nerd you are for very obscure lore stuff, I gotta ask, if ever given the chance for a Metroid comic, how deep would you go into learning this chosen language to add to the comic, spoken, written, and all? And on that subject... Are you a bad enough dude to make your own fictional language, sci-fi or otherwise, ancient and long dead or common to all? (laughs) Um, I would do my best to understand Chozo because that is the absolute best opportunity to sneak in Easter eggs or, you know, lore nuggets or something. But my Achilles heel is I am terrible at foreign languages. I am abysmal. I have zero retention. I can, I can learn just enough to sound like an idiot in a variety of them, (laughs) but I, I have struggled with every single Spanish, German, Latin, Japanese, uh, 
French is my like mortal enemy because I can't pronounce it. It's I am awful, 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 awful at any other language. I mean, English is something that I barely have a grasp on anyway. You're living in Canada and English gives you a problem. Oh, boy. <laughs> my grasp of the English language is more like a wave goodbye. But I... <laughs> uh, I have a great appreciation for language and its history and its evolution and how its structures have come to be over time. Just the very origins of English itself as this weird mishmash of various European ancient languages. Just ah, it's, it's neat, but I have no grasp of it. I have no command of it. So uh, stuff like Drogoon, where it's like, okay, there's these you know, very different races, species, what were their languages before Galaxant came in and standardized everything. It's like, well, I know enough that I can put the ideas out there, but if this thing ever takes off, I'm going to leave it to an actual linguist to come, to come up with something, you know, functional. I, I am no Tolkien. I cannot put together my own elvish. I do not have that gift. Hmm. Wow. I thought there would be like a maybe some somewhat of a language for uh, Drogoon, but yeah, maybe over time you'll build something up. That would be fun. Here's a question from Dove. Hello, guys. Had a laugh thinking of this. The IDW Sonic Cast is going to do a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Who is cast in what role? Uh, I never saw Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I've never seen it either. So this question is. Uh, all i know is tim curry rocks it and that's it that (laughs) is my entire understanding of it yep and the chat is freaking out that we've never seen it sorry guys i know i know i know i know know. theater kid i know i know (laughs) sonic is eddie i guess i'm looking at these uh i'm looking at these looking for suggestions (laughs) i feel like starline would be like dr frankenfurter that's his name right I think that's his name. Tim Curry's character. I think he could he'd probably do that. Maybe. Uh other than that, I I mean I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Uh, sorry, Dove. Sorry. Yep. We've ruined it all. It's all over. Well, maybe maybe we'll circle back around on this and rewatch it or watch it eventually at some point and then circle back on this one <sighs> yep everyone's saying to shut it all down it's over <laughs> ah, Bumblecast is done oh well before we go though we got a question here from off flintlock glomgold has just started an nft empire for villains i'm assuming he meant flintheart glomgold but whatever who all would actually invest in that scheme, and what bad guy? What bad guys would say, "No way, that's too evil, even for me." Magica would sit back and laugh. Yep. <laughs> Harvey Beaks would supply the servers, but just to get the actual real currency of it. Harvey he, Beaks? He, you mean Mark Beaks? Is it Mark Beaks? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he was an early adopter crypto bro, but he sees the writing on the wall. He's already cashed out. Yeah. Glomgold, Glomgold fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, of course. I mean, that's why yeah, he's starting I up a... my own money! <laughs> and he cons the Beagle Boys, all of them, into it. 
Like there, there's a there's a crypto there for every single freaking beagle <laughs> until they come to collect and they realize that it's a pyramid scheme that mm-hmm. is entirely smoke and mirrors. And Glomgold is beside himself because number one, he scammed himself. <laughs> and number two, there is now an angry mob of hooligans about to tear him apart. Mm-hmm. And bloody murder would be acceptable if he had come out on top, but he's scammed himself. There is literally no win for him here. He played himself. He can't even he can't even blame it on Scrooge. No, nope. he played himself start to finish. Yep. Oh, yeah. Glomgold started Glomcoin. That's that's how much he got into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don Carnage wouldn't even understand it. He doesn't care. No. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what Louis would think. <laughs> he's not a villain, but he might as well be. <laughs> he's 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 driven by greed and he would look into it. But he would be savvy enough that as he's researching it to figure out how best to exploit it, he would realize that it's nothing. It's smoke and mirrors. Right. Yeah. And that he would bail on it. And it would be a nice heartwarming moment between him and Scrooge. Cause Scrooge, Scrooge saw it a mile away. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Scrooge is like, oh, I already tried this like a hundred <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I did this already. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> An ephemeral form of currency. Magic, I tried that back in the 20th century. No, 20th century. That's not that long ago. Stupid. <laughs> well, it could be early 20th century. Eh. <laughs> uh, what about villains and other franchises? <laughs> what about, yeah, like Eggman? Eggman would do it. He knows it's a scam, but he's going to scam people with it. Well, yeah, of course. He doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Ethereum. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, and it and it's uh, you know it has a, a a high carbon footprint, which is Eggman's bread and butter. You know. Oh yeah. That's what he wants. <laughs> Starline understands the point of it, but it lacks substance. It's all ethereal. It's. Sure, you're destroying the environment and you're conning people and it's evil and all that, but where's the tangibility? You know? No, oh, it's all just crushing a theory um, soul, Ian, not a theory all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crushing someone's morale because their portfolio evaporated is it works, but it's not quite the same as, you know, tearing down their house with a bad nick horde. It just didn't have the same panache. True, true. It's it, there's no uh there's nothing substantial. There's no left nothing nothing there you can point at and say. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh that's true. Alright, we ready to take a break? Yep, and when we come back, there will be more priority QA here on the Bumblecast. <laughs> We're jumping right on back in, and we got this one to start us off from Ava Arctic. In the past, you said how the House of Cards arc was going to be quite different before being trimmed down, as well as shifting character roles like moving the focus from Elias back to Sonic. 
I think many readers found this arc interesting, especially since we finally get to see Tails' parents reunite with their son, only to don the antagonist shoes for this arc. Would you be able to go into more details on some of the changes on what the arc could have been, please? Would things have taken longer to brew before the conflict? How things would have gone different if given the time to go across 12 issues? How the conflicts would have been with the focus on different characters? Uh, first off, understand that there is no like long lost pitch for House of Cards. Uh, there was, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, Mike said, mm, now let's hurry up and get to Interjack. You have two issues to tell the story. And I pitched not doing it and coming back to it later, but he's like, no, 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 let's go ahead and just get it done. So eh, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't want to throw Mike under the bus on that one. But I did want it to be much longer and I did want it to be a slow burn. Like on Amadeus and Rosemary's behalf, I wanted to give more time to show them running into walls with reform within the kingdom. Highlight all the archaic nonsense that was stopping the kingdom from flourishing. And also underlying that Elias would be for such reform, except Max is always there kind of leading him along saying, you know, you're king now, you have to do it the right way. And really underline the fact that Elias wants change, but he's pressured into doing a role that he's not remotely prepared for. And the Prowers being sympathetic, but realizing that if they, if Elias isn't going to make the changes, the changes aren't going to happen. And they've spent, you know, their lives on alien worlds where they know that this democracy can be better for society. So if change won't come from the inside, it has to come from the outside. And that that opening moment where Amadeus is leading the angry crowd is sends all the wrong messages and would have been much later on and not nearly as I didn't want it to be that aggressive, I guess. But so it goes. Uh, the other major be the freedom fighters themselves. And where do they fall on this? Uh, I remember seeing somebody's uh, breakdown of the arc. And talking about how Sonic is not uh, someone who would support the man. He is not someone who abides by hard and fast laws. He does his own thing, which is accurate to Sonic as he is today. But of the time was very much a champion of the kingdom of Acorn. Like the entire point of Sat AM is to oust Robotnik and put the kingdom of Acorn back in power. Sonic was like the white knight. He was the hero of the kingdom. That's what he spent his life fighting for. And so his position would be, this is what I have always known to have wanted. And here's a new threat to what I've been fighting for. So I have to stop it. Tails, of course, is more cerebral about it. And he's more inclined to be allied to his parents because he wants that connection with them. And while he still has his loyalties to you know the kingdom itself in principle, because that's what he grew up under the idea of and he doesn't want to go against his friends who are pro-monarchy he also doesn't want to go against his parents because he just got them back and here is something that he kind of understands and agrees with and that's why he would be more inclined to put the blinders on to any kind of middle ground and just side with his parents because he wants to be with them 
and there's like a kernel of that in the final story, but it's not nearly as explored as I would want it to be. Antoine and Bunny would have been the really interesting one because Antoine is, you know, very much a soldier of the kingdom of acorn. He is totally loyal. There's no question about it. Why would you even think to question that? Whereas bunny, and this is where we would have gotten into some of the Southern barony type of stuff is like, I'm not really beholden to the kingdom of acorn. I wasn't even living in the kingdom of acorn when Sonic rescued me from the roboticizer. I am all for tearing down the old ways and building up something new. And how does that cause a discussion between their ideologies are at odds with each other. Where does Rotor fall into all this? Because his father was a soldier in it, but his the rest of his family is no affiliation. They live out in the tundra somewhere getting hypnotized for the hundred millionth time. You know, does he see the benefits of both? Which way does he go on it? And what about Sally? She has been <laughs> whew, she has not had a fun time with any of the royal succession. And clearly she's been fighting her entire life to put her family back in power. But she is savvy enough to know that the prowlers are right and things need to change. And it would be nice to actually have her have a moment to stand up to her father and, you know, be with Elias and help support him in this changeover and to break away from the shackles that have held this kingdom back for so long. There would have been a lot of interpersonal things that we could have explored, and that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of fast action in that. So I can understand why Mike wanted to pass on it, but uh, but what little nuance we could have had is just out the freaking window. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a shame. I think it could have been a really interesting arc, but I mean, as it were, as it was, it was just like two issues over and done. It's like, eh, not, uh, not the best arc to shorten down to that, uh, no, that no, length. Cl- what we got was the Cliff Notes version, and that was, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> Here's a question from Audrey Shrugged. Speaking of House of Cards, <laughs> I was reading Sonic number 171, where Tails builds Sonic his very own hoverboard, and Sonic proceeds to rub Fiona in his face until he runs off weeping. In 178, where Sonic gloats to Tails' parents that Tails won't begrudge their executions because Tails worships him. And like the other four issues where Sonic bullies him until he sobs, after all Tails has done for him, including giving up omnipotence for him. Why does Tails never get revenge on this manipulative toe rag? Or at least ditch him to find an actual friend. I just think after Fiona, Tails deserves a happier ending than the comic saying no one will ever prefer him to this spoiled blue celebrity turd so long as he lives. Dang, okay, honest, harsh. Honest question, is is this a joke? I, I don't like, know. Like, is this purposefully being worded to be as disingenuous as possible? Or is this a legitimate question? Because I have seen this phrased, and it's not remotely accurate. Like, granted, it's been a while since I've gone through the old stuff, but rubbing tails his face in the whole fiona thing bullying him actively bullying him no that that didn't happen so i'm not sure whether to laugh along with this or say what book were you reading i honestly don't know hmm. especially that last line there about how tails deserves a happier ending than the blue celebrity thing it's like that i've seen that kind of skewed 
interpretation of things and there's no answer to it because that's not what was in the book. Sure, Sonic was a little insensitive and kind of stupid sometimes, but that's how he was kind of written at the time as a bit oblivious and a bit of a jock. But he always did care about Tails. And I do remember that. Okay, so maybe the wording, I'd have to look at the wording again, but Elias wasn't going to execute the Prowlers as Max would. Max absolutely would. But that would be kind of the breaking point between between him and Elias, because Elias understood at least what Amadeus was trying to do, and he would never go that far. So execution was never on the agenda. They would certainly have been incarcerated for, you know, actively leading a treasonous rebellion and breaking that leader out of prison. But Elias isn't going to freaking kill the Prowers. Sonic's arrogance over Tails, you know, choosing him over people he's barely known was absolutely hyperbole. And that one of the failings of that arc, I ain't going to try to defend that, but no, this, this whole thing is like, it's got to be a joke that I'm not getting. I don't know. It seems like maybe they possibly interpreted it as a lot uh, meaner than it actually was. But hmm, maybe Audrey can uh, come back with a uh, with a follow up. Here's a question from Pedanticat. Ian, people always talk about how cool a My Little Pony and Sonic crossover would be. Me being one of them. But how would you tackle a crossover between Sonic and the MLP spinoff series Equestria Girls? I don't know, because I'm not really familiar with Equestria Girls. Um, I think that's the one where they're all kind of... Does that count as anthro? I think that's where they become they become real girls. Yeah, yeah, and isn't it a high school setting? Uh, I, I, maybe. I, I, uh, I, does it have the same level of magic and mysticism and adventure as mainline okay. MLP, or is it more grounded high school antics i don't know i'm being told they are human in high school that's what it is and yeah there's magic okay well i depending on their flavor of magic and how they treat it you could maybe get an adventure out of it but i knowing what very little i do i'm more inclined to think mainline mlp would work better yeah all right here's a question from sonic 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 is Gemeral a rebuilt version of Emerald, a robot based on his data, or just a robot that looks like him? I don't know. I don't know. I would love to get clarification from Sega on that. All right. Next question is from Hero of Light 13. This might be a Lost Hedgehog Tales thing, so if you can't answer, I understand. But out of the many ideas that we've never got to see fleshed out because of the Archie cancellation, the character Null always fascinated me the most. Design-wise... He clearly looks like he was meant to be tied to Mephilus to some degree, and he seemed to be drawn to Blaze for some reason. Was he meant to be a remnant of Mephilus? Was he drawn to Blaze because she might have ties to Iblis? Is Lost Hedgehog Tales really going to be the only way we'll ever get to see a concept like this get explored? Um, yes, it's more of a Lost Hedgehog Tales thing. It was supposed to tie into... Because when where things got cut off, the plan was to have story arcs for each of the freedom fighters to follow up on. And he Noel was going to tie into bunny and blaze and all that. Uh, and eventually tie into what was going to be the universe at the time. So it, it 
was going to be he was going to be a big deal. But uh, how big and how that was all going to work out was never fully, fully fleshed out Um, because he was never utilized. He might be available for reinterpretation down the line in IDW, maybe, possibly. I don't know. So I don't want to go too much in detail because I don't want to potentially spoil something down the line. But I don't know. There's a lot of I don't knows and question marks, even for me on that one. All right. Next question is from Madeline Blue Star 7. If a user of either sets of emeralds was injured before transforming into any kind of super form, would they always be healed when they power down to normal, such as when the Chaos Emeralds heal Classic and Modern Sonic in Generations? Also, do the Chaos and Soul Emeralds always scatter every time when their user powers down, or are there exceptions to that that would make the emeralds stay? Uh, It seems to be that turning super just kind of resets your health and boom, you're good. You know, whether that's you've been smushed by a mecha or you've been very much cur dead for a bit. Super just seems to make you all better. What about going the other way? I think that's what they're asking. Once you're done, yeah, you're good. Okay. But you depower and you're back to factory default, I guess. Okay. Okay. I get it. Um, I get you. As for the emeralds, the chaos emeralds seem to skedaddle, but the soul emeralds, I'm inclined to say stick around with blaze. Because she's their guardian, they don't seem to float around and hide. The reason why she has to hunt them down is they've been stolen and scattered, from what I recall. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's I think they're way more stable of the two of them. It's funny because in Sonic Three, Knuckles punches them right out of Sonic, and they just scatter on the ground. And then Knuckles picks them all up and runs away. But then all of a sudden, they're in special stages, and Knuckles doesn't have them anymore. <laughs> it's weird. Well. Knuckles uses the Master Emerald to neutralize Supersonic, and that kind of neutralized the Emeralds. That's why they fell down. Uh-huh. And then he picks them up, and they get back to normal and run away into the special zone. <laughs> and now I'm just imagining Knuckles carrying a whole thing of Emeralds, like, you know, just just all in his hands, like, ha, 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 walking away, running away with him. <laughs> I got the emeralds. And then all of a sudden they start, like, lighting up, and then they start floating, <laughs> and he's, like, reaching out, like, no, 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 <laughs> come back. <laughs> and they just take off. <laughs> How can I carry all these <laughs> emeralds? <laughs> Madeline has a question for you, Kyle. Uh-huh, Sure. Did you know that your Twitter account is followed by Barack Obama's official Twitter account? Yeah, me and like millions of other people. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was a bot uh, action, an automated action. And, oh, uh, don't be coy. We know you're I the th- puppet master. I think it happened. You're just learning how far your strings reach. I think it happened back in like 2009, 10, whenever. Through time. Time, Kyle's influence reaches through time. Yeah, it's, okay, it's not millions of other people, it's thousands. Me and 586,000 other people. I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe it was like an auto-follow-back thing, because I used to follow that account. That was years ago. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Might have been an auto-follow-back thing they had going on for a while until it got to a point where it was completely unwieldy. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. I have no idea why he why he would. 
Maybe he's an NGI fan. Let me know. Maybe he is. Yeah, you've never seen me and Obama in the same place, so hmm. seems very suspicious there. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. All I know is that Obama's got the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> he used Chaos Control that one time. It was dangerous, but he did it. <laughs> Here's a question from Jams. How easy do you think rings slash warp rings are to find in universe? We see them all over levels, but I wonder how much is game mechanics and how much is part of the story slash world. I wonder if they'd be treated as treasure or just basic currency. What's your preference on how special they are in universe? Warp rings, I imagine, are super rare and hard to come by. Um... Like, if we're going off of 3D Blast, they're almost unique to Flicky Island in terms of how common they are. So I, I don't imagine that they're a common occurrence. Now, for rings, now this is 100% my head cannon. So do not take this with more than a or assault. Uh, if they are a currency, their value has to come from their scarcity. And what we see in zones is that, sure, they're everywhere, but they're hard to come by. You've got to do a lot of climbing. you got to do a lot of traversing just to get a hundred of them at any given time. And there's all sorts of natural hazards like collapsing cliff faces, your errant badnik, who put spikes on this log. This entire area is volcanically active. It's not really a safe place to go cultivate. So... Maybe that is a form of mining, so to speak, is some poor schlub has to go out to a zone and gather up all the rings and have it help them if they stub their toe, because that means they're going to spill all over the place. You got to grab them before they disappear. Uh, yeah. All right. Grab those rings. Got to get them rings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they haven't appeared in IDW at all, so they must be rare. <laughs> Maybe they're on the human side of the world. Maybe that's what's going on over there chilling with the humans. <laughs> all right, now I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting this question from the chat. If a bank truck full of rings turns over, do they all spill and disappear? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, it's a bad day when that happens. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And we got a question here from Andrew D. I know you stay away from fan-created content, but what about those related to material that can no longer be touched? For example, Archie Sonic Volume 1, a.k.a. pre-reboot Archie Sonic, has material that seems to be off-limits. So why not indulge yourself in related fan fiction since you can never use it anyway? Despite there being probably a less than 1% chance it may one day return, do you think that warrants staying away, or do you worry it may give you ideas for material that you do have access to use? Otherwise, join us, Ian. One of us, one of us. Gerbil, gerbil. Um, <laughs> so you make a decent case for it, but that would mean for me to partake, I would have to vet every single piece I got into and ensure that it doesn't do a time skip or doesn't have any kind of crossover material. So that's an extra amount of effort to find something recreational. And two, I kind of want a break from Sonic every now and again. I've been doing this for 15 years, man. It, it's kind of my work life thing 
if I'm taking a break from work and life, let, let me do something that isn't Sonic just for a minute. Please, please. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I, I don't want to be anywhere else, but there needs to be some time apart. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question from Solaris Stain. Were there alternative methods of dealing with the metal virus? From what we've seen, the Zombox have max resistance to physical damage. But what about energy damage? As Tails put it, Sonic was able to burn off the virus by running. Does this mean that things like fire and electricity would work? Would electricity work against a Zombot since they're part machine? Well, in Sonic's case, Sonic's speed seems to have weird properties. Like, in the case of Sonic Generations, it restores time. Why? Plot convenience. But Sonic's speed is just weirdly powerful. That gives him the unique ability to fend off the virus. Um, if you mean in universe, were there other ways to deal with it? Uh, electricity might, you know, potentially stun them for a bit. Fire could melt them, but you don't want to kill them. That That's a bad end. And give the adaptive properties to it, do it over time. So you really don't want to, <laughs> you really don't want some kind of horrible melted puddle amalgamation monster thingy that can't be stopped by anything just rising like a tide and eating a city. God, that's awful. I'm glad <laughs> we didn't do that. Uh, giant like metal virus, perfect chaos just made out of a million screaming faces. Oh, what have you <sighs> done? Ugh. Why did I think of that? No, no now you've done Solaris, it. What have you done to me? Now, <sighs> now you've done it. Now blah, you've done it. Blah, blah. Ew. Next question, please. Oh, I'm a bad person. Why did I say that out loud? People ah. people, people in the chat are now excited for this. They want this to happen. No, chat. <laughs> no, do not encourage this. <laughs> they were symbiotes. Nice. <laughs> Here's one from Derusival. I've been rereading certain issues of the IDW Sonic Run to refresh my memory, and one thing I've noticed and enjoy is how you utilize Sonic's internal monologues especially during the Metal Virus arc. It's fun to get inside of the head of the Blue Blur, a character who often acts first, thinks later. Do you think the character is more thoughtful than we're led to believe? How do you decide what Sonic keeps to himself and what he discusses with other characters? I know he tries to keep up his confidence and optimism during dire situations with others, but also spent a lot of time running by himself during the Metal Virus arc. Moreover, is this something that you think could be utilized in games to flesh out the characters? Or does the medium of comics lend itself more to this kind of dialogue? I think this is kind of a unique situation for Sonic where he is, he has to be more mindful of himself and his surroundings. Because normally he's just, you know, running. He's exploring. He's having fun. He doesn't have to dwell on anything. And when he's partaking in the adventure at hand, then it's more reactive than anything else. With Metal Virus, he is very much aware that he is alone by necessity, and that gives him pause, and that forces him to think about things a bit more. I'm not saying that Sonic isn't introspective at all. I just think that this story gave him a reason to be more analytical of himself and his present condition and such. Um, it could potentially work in the games, but the games usually your story content is going to be much more abbreviated. Um, 
you're not going to have long periods of time where Sonic is running and thinking to himself. The animation budget for that alone would be staggering. Unless you want him just on a looping background. That's boring to watch. I think it's better within comics. And personally, I feel like it is an underutilized aspect of comics. It fell out of favor uh late 90s early aughts i want to say mm-hmm. and we would get we more nation boxes but it but those are effectively the same thing i i know that there's some people who think that seeing the thoughts is kind of silly and cartoonish and it's a comic book you're reading what they're saying in a balloon so you can read their thoughts in a balloon there that's no different putting it in a yellow box and making it some kind of first person omniscient narrator certainly can be used for a different tone and effect, but you're still getting into the head of the character. You're still reading their thoughts. There's nothing wrong with word balloons. Yeah, there is erase them all. No more word balloons. I demand, (sighs) I demand silent comics. I mean, thought balloons. There's nothing wrong with thought. There's no, none of those too. None, no word, no balloons of words in, in any form. I just want the I just want the pictures. That's I, that's that's good enough for me. <laughs> I'm joking. Maybe we got a question here from Josiah H. In the Sonic Adventure Two song "Kick the Rock for Wild Canyon," there's a line that goes, "Yeah, Rouge, she's sexy as," and then it cuts off. Do you have any idea what he was gonna say? I must know. The line is, "She's sexy and smooth." Smooth. 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 Hmm. As in, like, a smooth criminal. Oh, I thought maybe it was, like, a reference to her skin or something. Weird. But okay. <laughs> Here's a question from Cypher. Hi, Ian. Since Valentine's happened recently, could you tell us what is Dr. Starline's ideal date? I'm quite curious about it for reasons. Starline doesn't want to waste time on a date. Why spend that time trying to woo someone with small talk and petty little meaningless promises when if you're compatible you're compatible move on with it there's work to be done yeah maybe but for real though that's it that's all he got what Ah, more do you need he he doesn't date ah fine (laughs) whatever it's okay you can still make him date if you want to, Cypher. You, you, you don't let Ian rain on your parade. I'm, I'm, I tried. Let it be known, I tried. And we got a question here from Tee. Hey, Ian, it's the month of love. And since you have already shared your ideas related to how a Whisper slash Tangle, Sonic slash Amy, and even a Starline slash Eggman date would go. See, we already did the date thing. Yeah, with Starline, an awkward thing that he didn't like to do. Anyway, (laughs) I'm curious to know how would a Silver slash Blaze date go, and how would Marine react to this mysterious hedgy? Thanks, Uwu. (laughs) You had to say the (laughs) Uwu. Well, I mean, they wrote it. I read the questions. I read the questions as they're written, buddy. (laughs) You do. You do. I can't fault you for that. Uh, It depends on who initiates. If Blaze is going to initiate the date, it's going to be a formal affair. She has royal staff. They are going to tell her how this works and it, she's going to trust them to put it together. 
and it's very awkward because this is you know being very openly emotional and she still has a little bit of issue with that and you know silver tries his best to mind his p's and q's but he kind of grew up in a dystopia he doesn't really know what a salad fork is just that he can bend it with his mind and they kind of get through the first couple of courses and realize they're not having fun this is weird so they just kind of go out into the terrace and hang out and talk and enjoy each other's company if silver is initiating he oh he googles what to do and he tries to do his best and he stresses over doing what's right and he gets a lot of mixed messages and tries to make sense of all of them and it ultimately leads to a comedy of errors somebody splashed with spaghetti sauce and he's kind of dejected that he ruined everything and blaze is like just calm down let's go for a walk and they wind up on the terrace and they're enjoying each other's company and it's chill and it's cool and it's sweet um marine marine wants to know what this fellow is who is this hedgehog he comes from the future why does blaze know someone from the future why is he back in time what's going on is he good enough for blaze probably not because nobody's good enough for blaze and she's kind of running true. interference and sneaking around under the table at various instances. And it's probably the reason why something goes wrong somewhere, but eventually sees that they're totally cool with each other and realizes that, ah, okay, it's fine. They're great. She'll back off. And that's when captain whisker appears and is going to ambush them. And she like tears him up because there's no way he's going to foil this date because captain Marine isn't going to let anything happen to this date and shoots water out of her fist for some reason. And there you go. And finally, we have a question here from Noni to close this out. Ian, are you a supervillain? No judgment, just asking. Just wondering. I wish. Do you know how cool it would be to be a supervillain? I wouldn't have a small apartment. I'd have a volcano lair. I wouldn't have to go get groceries. I'd have henchmen. I'd have henchmen for my henchmen. I wouldn't be chasing freelance contracts. I would be holding nations at laser point. I'd be threatened to blow up the freaking moon. <laughs> I wouldn't be having to deal with the occasional illiterate troll on Twitter. I would have James Bond and Superman knocking on my door, knocking through the door. It would be fun. It would be cool. No, I'm very pedestrian and boring. <laughs> like most people in real life, unfortunately. <laughs> See, I, I need to have more pizzazz in my supervillainy. I'm not like Kyle, who's able to just sit back and enjoy being the puppet master who mm -hmm. enjoys his throne within the shadows. I need I need to be Eggman, basically. If I'm going to be a supervillain, I need to be Eggman. It's what he am. It's what you are. Yep. <laughs> I am the Eggman. Switch that M to an N. There you go. <laughs> Eggman? No! <laughs> I, don't, I don't... I don't know. I'm going to spell it out in the chat for you, Kyle. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Think I'm going to listen? I'm the Eggman. <laughs> it's what you're not. It's what you're not. I don't know. I am the Eggman. Ian the Eggman. Oh. That M. You didn't specify. You should have said the first M. What other M would you look at? The one in Eggman. Eggman. <laughs> it's funnier that way, though. Eggman. No, sake. Eggman, tell me a story. <laughs> once upon a time there was a hedgehog and i killed him the end <laughs> that's a good story how did you kill him 
brutally. That's a story for another time. Go to sleep. <laughs> yes, yes. Speaking of going to sleep, we're done. Let's go yeah, to sleep. we are. But before we go, a big thank you to the hundred. That is a one with two zeros. Woo! Patrons over at patreon.com backslash bumblecast and kofi.com backslash bumblecast. Big thank you to Daniel H, Alex P, James K, John B, Jennifer R, Robotnik Home, Samuel P, Sam Cybercat, Torchbound, Mike B, Coupling Crew 128, Duas DK, Andrew D, Dave M, Off, Salute Your Cat, Scruffy Matt, Chris A, J Frost, Sony, John M, Noni, Hero of Light 13, Jib, Don B, Yami M, Lee HK, Lisa M, Ryan D, Chevelle, Blue Title Gamer, Tick Tick, Invade Turbo Tunis, Ben W, Fiona M, Final Neil, Sonic, 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 Jonathan D, Ian, Dadler the Dalek, Chaos Universe, Sonic Legacy, Daniel B, Godzilla, Nimrick, Pedanti Cat, Red the Supermic, Dove, Pen Dolce, Joe S, Chad, Solaire Stain, The Name is X, Jennifer H, Preston M, Nathan J, Ava Arctic, Les, Alphamon, or you can Sapphire, Scarletta, Chase L, Noah S, Axis, Patron Saint of Chicken, Nuggies, Saint Jerry, Kujira Highland, Professor Rye, Cameron H, Red W. Callum Q, Owen BD, Kimiko, Radry, Xandra the Painter, Scurvy Pirate Hog, Joey the Sonic Fan, Just a Mountain Soul, Turbo Crooker, Maddie H, Louis J, Ty H, N Zephyr, KJB, Mox, Rusty Cook, Four Sonic Fan, Techno Cinema, Nature 14, and Tails, Drain Boaten, Chaos Voltage, Derusival, Lacey M, Unlikely Veronica, Louis C, Many Hats, Madeline Blue Star 7, and Gab Sam. Nice. Welcome aboard, everybody. Did I hear DK in there? Do we have Donkey Kong in our in no, our no, midst? no 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 no? Oh, that's D U E E. Last name begins with a K. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool too. But I thought maybe we had DK, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong is here. Not yet. Oh, but maybe one day. Yeah, maybe someday. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe someday. Anyway, that's it. We are done. We will see you Friday for the standard edition of the Q&A. Until then, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we'll see you on the next Bumblecast. Bye! Bring me DK. Someone get DK. Call him up. Uh, I wonder if Patreon will accept bananas. You've been listening to the Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at BumbleKing.com and KNGI.org. He's here performing for you. If you know the words, you can join in too. A little surprised Nintendo never got in with uh, Dairy Queen. Have DK with DQ. Mm, yeah, well, it's just a missed opportunity, much like how Sonic has never had a crossover with Sonic. Or never had a Seriously. brand tie in with Sonic.